Lee Howe in Paisley, she says they're being unfairly targeted. Obviously we come under hospitality sector, but my pub is wet sales only, so we couldn't open to serve food or anything like that. So I de- definitely feel we've been sort of let down a little. The rules will stay in place until the 2nd of November, when a new tiered alert system will come into force across Scotland. It'll feature five levels, that's two more than the one in place in England. Well, Nicola Sturgeon's rejecting claims contact tracing's being outsourced. That's despite Motherwell-based Ascensos being awarded £1.3 million to provide additional tracers and Barhead travel staff also being drafted in. The First Minister insists the system will still be NHS-led. Here's Scottish Labour Health spokesperson Monica Lennon. People don't want to hear the First Minister spin her way out of that. They need to see a plan. We need to know that Test and Protect will be boosted right across Scotland, that contact tracing will speed up. Nearly a quarter of people have shown some symptoms of depression since the start of lockdown. Researchers at Glasgow Uni say one in ten have had suicidal thoughts since March. Professor Rory O'Connor led the study. We need to continue to monitor people's mental health and well-being as we move through this new set of restrictions. Secondly, we need to ensure that the most vulnerable have access to the mental health and social support services that they require. A Shettleston man's being ordered to carry out community service for shouting a racist slur following a protest in George Square. 42-year-old Peter Griffin claims he was a peacemaker at a demonstration back in June but became aggressive towards police officers. He's also being tagged. And British tennis number one Dan Evans has sealed a place in the quarterfinals of the European Open. He'll face either wildcard Zizou Berg or third seeds at Karen Kachanoff in the last eight. Take us with you and catch up with the shows you missed. Download the Clyde One app from the App Store. A wet and cloudy evening ahead, but it should dry up a bit overnight with a low of 10 degrees. That's the latest. I'm Selena Jackson. 0141-951-1025. It's time to talk football. It's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Good evening and welcome to Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Neil Lennon's urging his Celtic players to hold their heads high as they prepare to host AC Milan after Old Firm disappointment. Rangers head to Standard Liège with the Belgians dealing with coronavirus absentees and Aberdeen saw off Hamilton last night with a 4-2 win at Pitodry. I'm Gordon Duncan. Joining me tonight is Andy Halliday and Mark Guidi. And while the fallout from Saturday still continue, Gordon, 2-0 to Rangers are comfortable win or is it all about tomorrow night Celtic home to AC Milan a cracking tie and Rangers away to a Covid hit standard Liège and Hamilton Ackies how do they get off the bottom of the table and for Aberdeen another great one for Derek McInnes' team ahead of Celtic's trip there on Sunday and already surely a contender for goal of the season that absolute screamer from young Lewis Ferguson well, I thought you were going to say the screamer from Andy Halliday on Friday night there. I thought that's where you were going with that, right? Lewis Ferguson, not a bad shoot, not a bad shout either. Uh, Andy, on that, it's nice to see you're still talking to us now that you're a goal-scoring member of the Hearts team. You don't forget the wee people that looked after you during the summer. Uh, well, I'm, I'm glad that you've brought that point up to start. So it's been a good start to the show already. But uh, now, listen, from a personal point of view, it was just brilliant to get back on the pitch. It's been a long time coming. It's you know February since my last competitive game uh, in the league. So, you know, just did, delighted to get back on the pitch and, and playing football again. But, you know, for, for the team's point of view, it was, a, it was a great start. It was a comfortable victory. Hugh Keevans is going about telling everybody he taught you how to do that at the Beat the Pundit break last week. Just wondering if there's any truth in it. <laughs> Definitely not. But I tell you what, if there's one thing that's been taught, it's been me with some of his trivia lessons. So, 
no, but it's good to. I, I've missed you. I've told you that. I've missed them. Imagine trying to do that with his loafers on. That would be quite something. Anyway, Andy, <laughs> on a serious footballing note, what a week you go from the game on Saturday and everything that that brings with it, whether it be the joy for Rangers and the disappointment for Celtic. And as much as that rumbles on, it, it can't really rumble on too much because we're straight back into massive European action tomorrow. No, nope, exactly. Uh, came under a bit of criticism by by how confident I was with, with, with Rangers going into the game, but I was still a little bit surprised at, at you know at how comfortable the game turned out. But no, I think Neil Lennon touched on it in his press conference. There's 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 no room to you know to to set on have your head hang too low because you know it's the first game of you know a big European group stage for both teams. So a couple of tough tasks uh, ahead tomorrow night for both teams, but you know a task that I see both of them doing okay. In. Yeah, Mark Weary, how do you look back on it? I get that it, you know it's now Wednesday night, the game was Saturday lunchtime, but in many ways tomorrow's games are set against the backdrop of, of the old firm fallout as well, because for Neil Lennon's side, it's now very much about how they how they respond and how they bounce back. And of course Stephen Gerrard are the you know, his side are the, the ones with the, the confidence and the momentum. Yeah, I mean it was a very comfortable victory for Rangers, well deserved a, you know, a proper game plan. Um, some of the personnel were brilliant. You could see the way that they were they were, they were drilled, and Celtic just looked disjointed. Even though they, they had four or five uh, players missing, they should still have been capable of a far better performance um, than that. I think Stephen Gerrard, for me, was telling in his after-match press conference. I think lessons have been learned from last season when he said, "You know, let's remain humble, keep our feet on the ground." There was no shouting into the cameras this time. You know, it's only game eleven. There's twenty-seven league games to go. But there's absolutely no doubt. I mean, I think we all thought it was going to be a proper title race last season. It never turned out that way. But this time, it is a proper title race. I did see in the show last Wednesday, I fancied Rangers to win. I didn't think it would be as comfortable as it was. But for me now, I don't think there's any doubt that Rangers are the team on the ascendancy. And I agree with the the bookies that have changed their minds. I think Rangers are now the favourites to win the title. Okay, 0141-951-1025 on the phones at Clyde SSB on Twitter. How are you feeling ahead of tomorrow night? Celtic fans, how important is it to bounce back? Or has the weekend's disappointment meant that you are disregarding Europe and you just want to get back to putting things right domestically at all costs? You tell us, what should Neil Lennon do with the team? Because he's still got some high-profile absentees. And of course, Rangers fans... Pretty good record under Stephen Gerrard in Europe. How are you feeling ahead of tomorrow? What sort of players would you be looking uh, to be involved? All the usual pre-match questions, 01419511025. Just in case you're wondering if things sound a little bit different for you, Andy and Mark are in the studio. I am still at home. Uh, If the likes of Hugh Keevans and Gordon Diel can be trusted with this over the last two nights, Mark Guidi, I'm pretty sure you two can handle it this evening. Yeah, I heard a wee bit of the programme last night picked my daughter up from football training so um, I didn't realise you, you were you were in the house and I heard you just putting uh, Roger Roger Hanna uh, in control but you don't need to worry tonight you've got two sensible guys uh, Gordon you know, Andy's, Andy's well on, on top of things he'll keep me right I think I prefer it Mark to be honest aye, aye. <laughs> I could get used to it <laughs> do, you know, do you know it's lovely you can't see him but, but it's lovely young, young David's back I remember David as a, as a kid starting off in here 13, 14 years ago he's now the top man but he's in here, you know, he's not got too big That's for his it. boots, yeah. he's in here looking after things. With Andy as well, good to see Andy back down the road, made it all the way from Canada, come back down the road to, to see us. I'm looking forward I know, that's to a, Andy's that's, um, some, beat the pundit quiz. Some team behind the scenes, the gaffer's looking after you tonight, so you must be on your, your best behaviour. Anyway, 01419511025 on the phones, at Clyde SSB on Twitter. Let's hear from you all. We'll start with Neil Lennon, he did his press conference first today. So Celtic fans, how are you feeling about tomorrow? Is it 
the perfect game to try and bounce back in? Is it a terrible game to try and bounce back in? What do you do with the team? How are you feeling about Europe in comparison to the league? You tell us. 01419511025. Let's hear from Neil Lennon. He's telling his Celtic players to hold their heads high in the wake of Saturday's Old Firm defeat. Ahead of that opener against AC Milan tomorrow, the manager says there's no cause for panic after dropping four points behind in the title race. The initial feeling is, you know, we were bitterly disappointed. But, um, you know, we've got a, a great game to look forward to. And, you know, we've tried to be positive with the players and they've responded in the right way. So we've worked the, we've had the, the luxury, if you want to call it that, of getting some days on the training ground together. And then, you know, we move on. We, we get our heads down, we work hard, but they also have to hold their heads high. You know, there's a long way to go. We're not happy with, you know, the result, but... Um, there's plenty of time to improve and bounce back. No, I don't think so. I think that you know the players and even the ones who have come in are aware of um, you know what's at stake. But it doesn't matter if you're going for your first, if you're going for your fifth, if you're going for your tenth. You know, every year we want to win the championship, and um, this season's no different. Um, I think the the season's been different. You know, in terms of. The, the protocols, the new norm, if you want to call it that, no supporters. And we we have to adapt that as best we can. I don't think the performances, you know, have been really up to the level that we're capable of. And, you know, I'm hoping that's going to be, you know, turned around as we go along. OK, Celtic fans, what do you make of those comments from the manager? He's urging the players to hold their heads high. 01419511025. How important... Do you see this game tomorrow, Celtic fans? Because I can tell on social media, some people are just desperate to get to get back to putting things right domestically. Other people see Europe as a vital part of, of getting your performance and your confidence levels back. So how do you feel? 01419511025. How important is it, Mark Guidi? Uh, tomorrow night, you know what I think? Well, for Celtic, as Neil Lennon said, you've got to try and win every game, particularly when, when you're at home. Um, but I think it's difficult because Sunday... Is, is massive for Rangers and Celtic I think now you know such as the way the title race has gone the importance of this season of all seasons that Europe is very much secondary and I think even more so for Celtic tomorrow night um, you know, obviously Neil Lennon will want to go and lose 2 or 3 now to AC Milan but if you offered him I'm sure or any Celtic supporter a victory tomorrow night or a victory on Sunday I think it's a no-brainer it's a victory on Sunday and likewise for Rangers but I just think it'll be it'll be more intriguing to see how Neil Lennon he handles it in his team um, selection tomorrow night as well. Yeah, Andy Halliday, what's your own take on on the way Neil Lennon's approaching this? He's you know he's calling on his players to hold their head high. Of course, they've they've won so much in recent seasons. A defeat on Saturday, I'm sure it'll take more than that to to derail them. But how tough can these games be to get over? Do you think? Yeah, no, listen, I fully agree with him. Uh, I do expect Celtic to bounce back. But I mean, I've been on this show after you know Sarajevo, after Riga, after Livingston. And I've been praising, uh, you know, Celtic's will to, to just dig out these results when they're not playing well. But that's been going on for seven or eight games now. And we always felt that once the, the better opposition started, the, the Rangers, the AC Milan's, that they had to up their performance. They obviously didn't do that on Sunday and, and came away with a, with a disappointing defeat. So I fully expect Celtic to, you know, to get a reaction um, tomorrow night. Uh, you look at their group, it seems extremely important tonight because it's a home tie and you feel that all six games that they're going to have are going to be, are going to be competitive, they're going to be important. But... I think Christie come back into the squad certainly going to be a real positive for Neil Lennon and and like I said I'm I'm definitely expecting a reaction tomorrow night. Yeah, Mark Guidi, it'll be interesting to see 
what Neil Lennon does with that Celtic team um, mm-hmm. because no odds on Edward. He's facing more time out um, as he recovers from COVID. Ryan Christie does come back, but Chris Julian's still out near mm-hmm. Beaton and El Hamed are still out. So by and large, certainly defensively, it's it's the same... It's, it's the same defensive options as it was at the weekend. Yeah, it's just whether it, you know he sticks with the three or he looks at maybe going to to a back four. You know, again, you'll need to take into account how he thinks AC Milan are going to like line up and take their strengths and weaknesses um, into it um, too. Um, but you know, on on um, on Neil Lennon, Gordon, and, and and I've said this before. I think I said that you know last year and. John Kennedy's a, a very good coach and, and, and he does well there Gavin Strachan I don't know but I'm sure he's, he's, he's a very capable coach too but I just think that Neil Lennon um, needs somebody in beside him that he knows that he's been with whether that's a Johan Mayalby somebody he's worked with in the past I don't know and I said it last summer uh, 15 months ago when he, when he got the job um, permanently you know I was surprised that he, he didn't bring in um, one of his own just to be with and I think again in this season of all seasons um, I think you need somebody that you can just look to and, b- and bounce things off and, and, and pick the phone up to different things. You look at Stephen Gerrard, he's got you know, he's brought his own staff with him um, right from the start. Neil Lennon had his own staff away at the start. So I think that's something that I don't know if he's thinking about it or not, but it's maybe something that, that might be missing out with the performances on the part from the players. I think having, you know, just somebody there beside you um can, can go a long way to being successful. Okay, 01419511025 Celtic fans, how important is the game tomorrow? What would you do with the team? What about the prospect of holding the heads high, says Neil Lennon? Let us know. John is first up tonight. He's a Celtic fan. What have you got for us, John? Evening, guys. How are you doing? Uh, I would take a win on Sunday before I win tomorrow night. But what I want to ask you, Mark, is I've heard sort of a couple of wee whispers here. It all's not well with this Christopher Julian. He seems to have fell out the picture again. He was injured, and then he's, he was back in a sub, and then he, he wasn't even quoted at the weekend. Mm-hmm. Do you know anything about this, Mark? What, what do you mean, John, in terms of all's not I've well? I've just heard there's been a few, and I know I know maybe it's a bit far-fetched, but I've, I've got a people have said it's another compare situation. I know he's only been out for four weeks or something, but I've heard that a few rumours here, and reading in some of the Celtic blogs, mate, there's been a, a fallout along the way with somebody. And as I say, I, I was worried all day. It was, it was, it was so sorry, day, John, are you saying that Chris Julian, the gossip is that Chris Julian is fit and available, but there's been a fallout, that's why he's not playing, is that what you're saying? I, I mate, I sort of heard that. I, I, I don't know anything about that, and, 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 and I, you know, I really I mean, don't, I don't know anything yeah, about that. Neil Lennon, Neil Lennon was asked specifically about Chris Julian today, he says he'll be out for another few weeks with inflammation in the base of his spine, so... He, there comes a point where you you take it at face value, Mark Weedy, and until you know something. That well, if, if the manager's given a specific, a specific injury yeah. and being like you know he's out for a few weeks, then you know you you've got to believe that's a hundred percent the case for sure. I don't know where your comparison comes from, John, with uh, Marvin Compare. I think Christopher Julian's already got about fifty more Celtic appearances than, than <laughs> Marvin Compare did. <laughs> <laughs> I don't what are you thinking? What are you thinking in general, John? In general, what are you thinking about tomorrow? I know you said you'd rather win on Sunday. I think most Celtic fans would agree. But how confident or, or, or nervous are you? What about the, the, the prospects of, of bouncing back in a game like this? 
Well, I've actually watched that, and I think even Neil um, touched on it. I mean, it's, it's a quite a young AC Milan team, and they're quite gifted, you know what I mean? So I think it could be a hard game for us tomorrow, you know what I mean? But as I say, I think it's quite a good game to fall, to come back to after getting beaten at Saturday, you know what I mean? But as I say, I think it's not a bad game. But uh, can I make another weak point, uh, Gordon, before I go? Go for it. See, uh, I'm, I'm quite a critic of James Forrest, right? As I'm always on my dad's in that, right? But I think he was missed on Saturday big time, you know what I mean? And I think we Frimpong, I, I've got a lot of time for him, but when you think about things, Man City don't let good players go. And I, I'm actually worried for this wee guy the way he dives into tackles. He's going to hurt himself or get hurt it. Or sorry, hurt somebody else, you know what I mean? It's, uh, but I think they missed For- Forrest was a big miss on Saturday and I'll hold my hand up because I'm a, a big critic of James Forrest you know what I mean but I thought he was missed yeah. on Saturday big time yeah, yeah. I it mean was, in, fairness to, to, in fairness to Jeremy Frimpong you know not not being at the level for Man City doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a bad player for Celtic so I'm not sure <laughs> uh, we, we hold that against him um, Andy is that is that a fair point I know a lot's been made about Celtic's absentees not to make it out to be an excuse but did they lack a sort of cutting edge going forward at the weekend? Yeah, I think all you have to do is look at James Forrest's numbers for the last sort of three, four, five, six seasons for Celtic and they've, you know, they've been nothing short of remarkable so I think you, know, you take away his numbers alone he's going to be a big miss to the Celtic team but you look at the you know if you're just taking it off the face value of the game on Sunday I do think Celtic missed that that creative spark someone that can take the ball and you know provide that you know, real sense of urgency within the team and, and, and that much of a ball carrier. So I certainly think that James Forrest was one that uh, was a big miss on Sunday, but is a big miss in the Celtic team. And uh, I mean, like I said, I think between Edward, Forrest, Christie, I mean, you're taking yeah. away 50 goals a season. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you, if you take them out of any team, they're going to be a big miss. But, you know, he's one that he, he seems to be a bit of the fall guy for, for Celtic fans when they don't win. But, you know, I think they're, they're certainly going to appreciate him a bit mm-hmm. more now that he's out. All right, thanks to John. Let's keep on the lines and bring in William, who is a Celtic fan tomorrow. How are you feeling ahead of tomorrow night's game, William? Uh, how are you doing, guys? You, are you okay? Uh, tomorrow yep, night, uh, I'm a bit apprehensive because I think we're meeting a, a Milan team that's on the up. You know, they, they won their derby game at the weekend there, so I think they're on the up. I'm not sure if they'll play their full team or no. I'm not sure if, they, if they're going to play Zlatan and and I know the boy in the middle of the park suit, so uh, we'll probably meet a, probably a rejuvenated side, you know, and players, probably not a full team at Milan's side, but the way Celtic are playing just now, I think uh, it's maybe time for a change in shape, uh, a change in personnel, uh, bringing in Turnbull, maybe bringing in Rogic if they're fit enough, maybe giving Lee Griffiths a start, you know, so... I think I look at it that way, and I, I think uh, European European football is important to me. You know, I think uh, it's good for the bigger picture, the coefficient, all the rest of it. You know, so for me, it's an important game tomorrow. And it's more important than Aberdeen, as I say. The next game is the the more important one, mm. and for me, it's uh, AC Milan tomorrow night. I don't know what the guys think of that. Mark Guidi, what do you think ahead of tomorrow then? Because how do you find the balance between addressing things that aren't right? And not ripping everything up, and mm-hmm. you know, and starting again just because you lose to Rangers. Because let's be honest, if Neil Lennon was looking for players that he could drop from the weekend, mm-hmm. it'd be a pretty long list. Yeah, I, I, you know, the guys that have been getting criticised in the show, uh, whether it be Olivier and Cham, Mohamed El Yunusi, you know, whoever it may be, there were, there were a few below par at the weekend. Yeah, how do you strike that balance? Well, that, well, that's why Neil Lennon's a manager of Celtic, and and he's got to get it right tomorrow night. And you know, more often than not. 
He does get it right, but but that's what I'm saying. It's a real. I think it will be intriguing to see what he does with his team selection uh, tomorrow. One thing that Neil Lennon's got to find um, soon, and his players need to do it for him, is find a striker to get into a rhythm. You know, Edwards a top player, but he's not been in a rhythm for a number of games for whatever reason. So somebody has to emerge tomorrow night. Whether it's Lee Griffiths, Albin Ayeti, somebody needs to go and do the business and start scoring. Um, goals and start leading um, from the front Secondly, the goalkeeper needs to stand up And be counted um, I said a couple of months ago I thought the way that Celtic handled the goalkeeping situation During the summer They were leaving themselves wide open It wasn't good enough And I think with all due respect to that goalkeeper He's not a patch on Fraser Foster I think Craig Gordon's better than him as well And I think when you've got David Marshall available in a free That that might have been a better option uh, too So that goalkeeper needs to start justifying why um, he's at Celtic before it becomes very, very uh, costly. Um, and for Celtic, they need to start scoring goals, Gordon. I believe that on Saturday, the first time in 421 league games that Celtic haven't had a shot on target, you need to go back to May 2009, Gordon Strachan's team. And that's a damning statistic, and it's something that the forwards and the midfielders have got to go and put right. Andy, we're going to hear from an Italian football expert a bit later in the show and get a proper insight into AC Milan. Um, but I think we we know enough about them in the sense that Zlatan's on fire they've just beaten Inter Milan at the weekend is this really the type of opposition you want to, to be seeing if you are feeling a little bit fragile after the weekend as Celtic players might be definitely because I think this is the type of game and, and potentially the type of result they can and sort of kickstart Celtic season again in terms of not only results but performances but listen I mean AC Milan they finished 6th in the Serie A last year albeit they've started really well this year I think they're 4-4 four and four. but let's not kid ourselves it's not the AC Milan you know, when they get beat off of Liverpool in, in the Champions League final in Istanbul and then beat Liverpool two years later, it's, it's not that team. So I think Celtic have beat, you know, equal if not better teams in the competition over the last sort of three, four seasons. The, you look at the results against, uh, especially Lazio away last year. So I, d- I certainly don't think they're going to go into the game respecting AC Milan, but certainly not with any fear. So uh, I do feel as if, you know, like I said, uh, you know, the likes of Edward and and Forrest being out is, is still you know, a, a blow for them but I do think they'll get a real boost with Ryan Christie being I, back I disagree with you on that Andy I think one thing that was paramount again on, on, on Saturday for Celtic and what they're going to miss tomorrow night Celtic players and probably the manager the management they're missing the supporters probably more than they, they actually realise and I think that you know, part of the reason that, that Celtic do do so well in Europe is because of, of the backing they, they can get I think Rangers have adjusted to it very very well but for Celtic I think that is a, a clear missing ingredient Alright William thanks very much great to speak to you it's 01419511025 on the lines Rangers fans this might be a good chance for you to get involved because we're going to hear from Stephen Gerrard next You are the voice of Scottish football call 01419511025 Clyde One Super Scoreboard Andy Halliday and Mark Guidi are here on a massive midweek for Scottish football. Not only are we just getting over the events from Celtic Park on Saturday, but it's straight back into Europa League action tomorrow night as well. So get in touch with the guys, let them know what's on your mind. 01419511025. We heard from Neil Lennon in the first part. We're about to hear from Stephen Gerrard, but let's go straight back to the phones and speak to Michael who's a Rangers fan in Kilwinning he's got a question I think might be uh, aimed particularly at Andy on you go Michael how's it guys Gordon I hope you're you're doing alright Andy ah, I'm fine your first goal, big man. thank you cheers I hope you're doing alright Mark hi how you doing uh, Michael but the, I was just going to say I'm feeling pretty confident about the Rangers game tomorrow going away to standard Liège I just think we don't concede enough goals to be worried which might be sound a wee bit arrogant but 
we've conceded four goals all season and been to probably our three hardest away games of the year. But um, I was wondering from Andy's probably got a unique perspective on this, but what makes Rangers so much better against the bigger teams like likes your Celtics in the Europa League games than maybe we can do it against the likes of Hamilton Lackeys or Livingston away? Is there something other than just these wee teams don't want to come out and play football against us? I mean, it's it's a difficult one for me to answer because if I knew the answer, uh, I'd love to try to put it right any times I've played the, the likes of Hamilton at, at home and whatnot. But now, listen, I, I've given so much credit um, to the work that, that Stephen Gerrard and Michael Beale do on a, on a day-to-day basis on the training pitch. It's, it's, it's very reassuring as a player going into every single game, knowing your role, you know exactly what's expected of you and exactly what's expected of the team. And I think, touching on the game on Sunday, I think you've seen you know, one team... That's did the same thing every game, every day for two years, and another team that sort of transitioned into a new shape, a new style of play, and I, and I think that's that's sort of, uh, you know one thing that was a clear advantage towards Rangers at the weekend, and you know like like you touched on, it's been a it's been a shape and identity that's that's really really suited European football. I think uh, you know defensively, you can you can see how solid the team, you can see how hard they work out of possession to try and close spaces for the opposition, and then in possession. You know, when these teams are out, when they win the ball, they hit teams on the counter-attack pretty quickly. And you touched on it, you know, when you're playing the likes of a Hamilton at home, Ross County at home, Livingston at home, you don't have the spaces to exploit teams in behind. So I think that's something that, that Rangers are going to, you know, try try to strive to improve on. I think a little sort of adjustment they've made this season, I think, is they've been a little bit more direct, especially early on in games. I think that's a, you know, a big part of why Stephen Davis, I think, has been excellent this season because he's the, the sort of one that's anchored Sorry, that. Andy, what do you mean specifically, like, more? Because as soon as you say more direct, you'll think, oh, just long ball back to front. But what exactly do you mean more more direct? So, I mean, I've touched on it. I think a big reason why Ryan Kent scored more goals this year is just the urgency to run. It's just run forward, get into the box, run in behind and pick up better position to score goals. He's notoriously been the one that wants to receive the ball to feet, you know, try and beat players and make things happen. So I think that, especially in the attacking sense, it's just been... Make you know players just make more direct runs into the box to get into goal scoring opportunities and the likes of Stephen Davis, he's constantly trying to find that pass early on in games and once you play the passes two or three times, listen see if they don't work. You know I guarantee the next time Stephen Davis gets the ball that the defender's first reactions is I'm going to drop off here because he's going to try and play mm-hmm. it in behind me, which creates that space for the front three. So I think that that's something that they've they've certainly adjusted in this year. I've seen it a few times. I think well Willem Tway is probably the best example. You know the you know the, the penalty to get to the st- uh, f- uh, for the first goal was just a ball over the top. Uh, I think the first or the second goal was just a ball over the top. So I think that's an adjustment that that, that maybe wasn't there this year, uh, last year. Sorry, Andy. Andy, what specifically then did you recognise from the game plan on Saturday? What specifically did you recognise as something that you feel has been worked on time and time again on that training ground and fine tuned? Def- I mean, defensively, the biggest thing for me is just. Having played left back in that team, you know it's very, very, very rarely that Rangers leave their fullbacks exposed to one v one or two v one situations. And I think with Celtic playing a back five, where we only really two wing backs in the, you know, either flank, it was very, very difficult for for Celtic to create and and get you know advanced enough up the pitch to put balls into the box or play through in the middle because it was that congested. And I think you know the the work that the midfield three do at Rangers is just, I think it's extremely underappreciated because. You know, if you look at their, their stats and their data after every game, they're co- covering 11 and a half, 12, 12 and a half K and it's just the work they do out of possession to just shift across and, and, and cover the full area of the pitch basically is, is, is second to run. Uh, where does the, 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 the main 
source of confidence come from tomorrow then, uh, Michael? When you is it is it simple because you've beaten perhaps better teams than Standard Liège in Europe before? Is is that what you base the confidence on? Eh, largely, yeah. I mean, we've we've been away to harder teams. I mean, Porto, for example, a Champions League team this year, Braga. Um, we beat them home and away. We seem in these big, big European games. We just have a knack for for winning them. Um, I think we kind of we found our level against Bayer Leverkusen, but I kind of I take no no heart. Or I'm never going to be upset that we've been beaten by a, a 90 million pound striker. You know what I mean? Yeah, Andy. I suppose that that, that would be the thing if you're. <laughs> Stephen Gerrard, Michael Beale, and you're trying to recreate that game plan tomorrow. The Rangers players would be pretty familiar with it. We've now been over the course and distance many times. You could you could rhyme them off, whether it's Porto or Galatasaray or Willem Twe or Feyenoord. You know the the list goes on. And I wonder if there was a, were there similarities in the performance against Celtic to, to the European performances, as Michael mentions, in terms of of that element of control, not necessarily battering yeah. the opposition and, and creating chance after chance after chance, but just being controlled in, in what you're doing. Yes, I mean, definitely when they went 1-0 up, I think that's exactly what you saw. I think you saw a team that just sort of, just try to control the, the tempo and the intensity of the game and, and just try to hold on to their league and, and hurt Celtic on the counter-attack as much as possible. And, and like you said, it's something that they've done and done very well in Europe. You know, looking ahead to the game tomorrow, I think it's something they're going to do exactly the same. But I mean, listen, it's it's a group that I fully expect Rangers to go through. But I think the games that that they'll really try and push the tempo and, and be more more open and, and more in the attacking sense are the home games. So I think tomorrow, you know, listen, you, I don't I don't think Rangers are going to want to play for a draw. But these sort of games, you take a draw and, right. and try and win, you know, all your home games. But I still feel that, and I'm confident enough that Rangers will go there tomorrow and 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 win and, and do what they've been doing in Europe over the last couple of seasons. Alright Michael and co-winning Pleasure to speak to you Hopefully you'll give us a call back sometime That was Michael on the line Let's go straight back onto the phone lines I think we've got Craig in Moody'sburn How's it going Craig? Hi great, good evening guys Pleasure to speak to you Andy um, I was trying to go on to speak to you last week um, But I pleasure to get a chance to speak to you, yeah, um, you. Yeah I was just wanting to put a few, a few points to you um, I've avoided the show the last couple of nights um, Had a little chuckle um, Obviously I've been Doing the same myself for the last few years, phoning in and saying Rangers need to change this, change that. But my point, uh, I've got a few points actually, but I've got a question for Andy, if I can. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a question I didn't think I'd be saying, um, particularly this season. But if Gerard was to go into the January window, what position do you think he would have to strengthen? Have to strengthen? Right now, it's 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 a bit difficult for me to answer it. To be honest, I think that um, you know I I think they did need maybe a further addition in the in the midfield to sort of bolster you know what they've got. If they missed a Ryan Jack, a Stephen Davis, a Glenn Kamara for for a period of time, and I think uh, it was a bit more a, a sort of box to box midfielder that I thought they had to draft in. I think they've done that with Zungu. I know we've not we've not seen him yet, but I'm led to believe that's the type of player he is. I think the one position in the team, if I had to pick one. Where the positions maybe not as settled as others is, is probably in the the right of the front three. I think you've seen, you know, Yanis Hadji, Jordan Jones, Brandon Barker sort of rotate between the the three positions. But listen, if it, if I was going into the biggest game of the season tomorrow, I probably I could probably name ten players that are going to start, and that's probably the one position where 
where I feel as if it's sort of up in there just now. So I think it's whoever performs well in that position has the jersey. But I think if no, if 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 they don't you know hit the ground running and, and one of them don't sort of secure the jersey for now to January, then that that's maybe the position I can see them you know going into the transfer market. I mean, Mark Guidi. Recruitment is important, obviously, because that's why Rangers now have a much stronger bench at the weekend than they did last season, largely down to recruitment. However, is it not the case that most of Rangers' relative success, and I say that because I think we all know the next step is is going further and and winning something, but Rangers' relative success at the moment seems to be coming from the group of guys who've been there previously and and them getting better and them knowing what's required of them rather than new signings making an, an immediate Massive impact in a starting eleven. Yeah, it's a great point you make there, Gordon. There's not been a, you know, a sensational signing, a box office signing, or somebody that's gone in and really lit the place up. So you're right. I think it, it, the, the success so far this season, and why Rangers are really looking the part, uh, is based on Alan McGregor. Okay, and I know John McLaughlin made a really valuable contribution early in the season, but Alan McGregor, McGregor, James Tavernier, Connor Goldson, Borna Barishit, Steve Davis, Ryan Kent. Um, Ryan Jack so as Andy said there, there's, there's 8 or 9 Glenn Kamara outstanding on on Saturday uh, Holanda looking the part looking very comfortable Morelos you know playing his part keeping the Celtic defenders um, busy Kima Roof Cedric Eaton we're still to really see what they're all about but by all accounts they'll, they'll come and do well for Rangers so yeah I think you're right it's, it's real it's, it's an old cliche but it's a real team effort as Andy says from the manager and the backroom staff to Gannon McAllister to Michael Beale, to the guys on the pitch, you know, the, the 15, 16, 17 mm. players. It's a solid team effort. Everybody knows their job. On days like Saturday, it must be so satisfying for them to see it all clicking into place and, and the hard work paying yeah, off. Gordon, I mean, you touched on it there. The, the starting 11 for the weekend, you know, it was all the players for the starting 11 were there last season. I think the difference is now, you know, Stephen Gerardo, I'm sure, is trying to make it as much as possible. If he does have a you know, an Alfredo Morelos injured, he's got he's got Roof as a replacement. If he gets a, a Ryan Jack injured, he's got, you know, Joe Aribo as a replacement. So I think that, that the squad now is certainly looking, you know, more bolstered, which I think is massive compared to the last couple of seasons. I touched on it before. I think, you know, look over the last couple of seasons, Rangers relied far too much on, on Alfredo Morelos' goals. I think mm-hmm. we're watching Rangers do well right now, albeit it's, it's early on the season, but still Alfredo Morelos isn't at his, yeah. his best. Yeah. So you can see... You know that everybody else around about him that's been there for previous have stepped up. Okay, let's hear a bit from Stephen Gerrard. He says he's looking forward to taking charge of a game in front of fans against Standard Liège tomorrow. He's also delighted with the options at his disposal after his whole squad uh, pretty much named fit, with the exception of Nikola Katic. We certainly welcome supporters into stadiums. We certainly welcome atmospheres to to play in. Obviously, it's only going to be a certain percentage, but it's certainly a move closer to where we all want to be, which is back to full capacities and really exciting atmospheres to test ourselves in and work under. Um, you know, and hopefully, you know, back domestically where we are, we can try and make similar moves to try and get the ball rolling and get fans back in the stadium where it's safe to do so. So it's very welcome from myself and the players, and we're really looking forward to a different atmosphere tomorrow than what we've been playing under. Yeah, listen, the squad's in a, a real good place at the moment. We still need to get Kamar and Joe Rebo up to speed. Yeah, the squad's in real good shape in terms of health. Everyone's fit and available. There's only Katic who, who's not with us uh, at the moment. 
Um, so I'm really happy and excited to, to work with a full group of players because um, for the last couple of months it's been frustrating not being able to sick pick, uh, pick certain players who, who are very good players and who would have helped us. Craig, very briefly before we let you go, we're a bit tight for time. How confident are you ahead of tomorrow? Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, Rangers always seem to do the job in Europe. Um, under Gerard, uh, what Andy was saying there, obviously they'll play for a draw, draw them with the worst result. Um, just the reason I was putting that point to Andy about the squad as well, is I think this is obviously a unique season where we're going to be playing literally three games a week, you know, the game tomorrow, Sunday, another European game. So I agree with what he said. Um, I would love to see a front three of Kent, Morellas and Ruth when everybody's fit. Very or Scotty Arfield just behind, but yeah, very confident for tomorrow. Nice one, Craig and Middiesburn. A pleasure as always. Thank you very much. 01419511025. It's a good time to get your call in because we're going to get travel with Stephen, and that means we could be speaking to you next. 01419511025. This is Scottish football's league leader, Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Mark Guidi and Andy Halliday are here waiting on your calls, usual number or Twitter at Clyde SSB. We're building up to a big night of European football tomorrow for our Scottish clubs. Of course, Champions League football underway at the moment. If Champions League shocks are your thing, then you might be interested to know that at half-time Real Madrid are losing at home 3-0 to Shakhtar Donetsk. Um, that may please you depending on how you feel about Real Madrid but a word of warning Ukraine one of the countries that for the old coefficient we could be doing with Ukraine uh, suffering where possible so that's not a particularly good result uh, for the Scottish coefficient that the could go to Real Madrid and wouldn't be 3-0 up at half time but God, anyway you Gordon, never know, Mike. Gordon see yep. on that can you just clear something up please forgive me probably if I'm not, not known I should know but you're going to know I know you're going to give me the right answer mm. and Andy probably would as well the winners of the Premiership this season Straight into the Champions League in August of next no. year? No. Is it a year? No. Another year to go? So I think we're, we're going to have the two places from the 21-22 season, but automatic right. place, that we're, we're still a bit off, I think. I think, anyway. Right, OK. Let me double-check that. OK. Yeah, Sorry I think, to put you I think, in I think Sorry, we've got work to That's, fine. You That's fine. I don't have my usual resources at my fingertips since I'm in my bedroom. You know, it's a bit more difficult here. Well, so we'll just, we'll, um, we'll see Too much information. See what we can do. See what we can do. <laughs> uh, let's hear a bit more from... Celtic manager Neil Lennon he says tomorrow night's glamour tie is what his players need to bounce back any game you know but a quality game and and one that really whets the appetite and there's another you know huge challenge for them I think it's important that we you know endeavour to win our home games in the group uh, to give us that sort of springboard or platform for attempting to qualify I think we're up against a very good side who are reinvigorated you know at the start of the season but um, you know, it's a team that we can cause problems, and obviously, being at home, uh, you know, you're looking for a good reaction first and foremost, and you know, strong performance from um, you know the core of the players. Okay, oh one four one nine five one one zero two five. Let's speak to Tom and Carntine as a Celtic fan. Tom, what's on your mind? Oh, hi, lads. How are you doing? Hi, Tom. Well, on my mind is, I think Neil Lennon's lost the plot of you, but. Regarding some of his tactical decisions. Now, go back to Fern Zaka's game where they put Christie up front and he had two strikers sitting on the bench, and his excuse was they weren't fit. I think Adet just had come up and he said, Oh, he's not played for so many games, whatever else. But that was a total disaster. You put your best player, midfield player up front, you may well stick in uh, the charm up front for, the, for all that they made, all the difference they made. And then 
the following Saturday, I think it was against uh, Motherwell. He, he, he done the exact same thing. He played Christie up front. I think look at jail that day because uh, I think it was McGregor scored a good goal just before half time. Things wasn't all right. Then Saturday there, he puts a young boy Welsh. He's never really kicked a ball for us. And the back three at the back, he plays somebody that's no, no kicked a ball for nearly what uh, since July. That boy, the new boy, the new left sided boy, Laxalt. Uh, Diego, yeah. Laxalt, yeah. The since July, and then he puts El Hamid up front, and El Nahusi up front, and he's got two tries to sit in the bench. But the point, the thing might be the point earlier that if you're well bringing somebody else in that, that's got a wee bit, wee bit of experience, just to calm him down a wee bit and say, you. Some of the decisions they're making, it's not working. So that's my point. Uh, Mark, what what about some of the, the the selections? It's interesting what the names that were mentioned there because Stephen Welsh, yes, hasn't played a lot of football, but in terms of guilty parties from from Saturday in a Celtic shirt, I'm not sure he would be anywhere near the the top of the list. No, no, he, no, he wouldn't. He wouldn't be on the list uh, at all. Um, Gordon, you're right. Um, Tommy, just f- first of all, Tommy, I think to say that that Neil Lennon's Lost the spot is, is lost the plot is disrespectful and it's the wrong tone uh, to you. If you don't agree with some of his decisions, that's fine. But I don't think you come on and use a, a phrase like that when you're talking about an experienced manager. But yeah, maybe in, in hindsight he might have looked at maybe a back four, but he's stuck with the, the with with a three five two. If you can, um, you know, since the turn of the year, since since Rangers beat themselves um, before the winter break, and it worked. You know, more often than not, um, it's worked well. But it's something that he's going to have to look at again because when you've got or when you play a three five two, you're you're wanting both your your strikers to be to be bang at it. And at the moment, Celtic don't have one striker that's bang at it, never mind two. So that's something that has to be looked at. And like I said earlier in the programme, you've got to find at least one striker that's going to get into a rhythm and start scoring goals, start showing up in games and and giving his his uh, his midfield options and, and, and giving them movement. Hindsight's brilliant Andy Because that's what we're here for You're always going to do this After the game Given what Celtic Had missing At the weekend Do you think there were any Glaring Errors in team selection Or, or was it more about You know Perhaps The, the, the game plan and, and, and what Rangers did Obviously as well I think the biggest thing For myself was I, w- I was more intrigued to see if, if they did change To the back four uh, You know Like Mark touched on there I think when they You know They've the, probably change the shape in my guess is to suit obviously the strikers if they're banging form like they were towards the end of the last season why they got so many so many results towards the end of the season but you know not only you know Mark touched on it if they've not got a striker bang at it they've, they've very very rarely had their strikers even fit mm-hmm. because you know you've you know we've touched on it they've brought in a Yeti and you know we're expecting to see Edward and a Yeti partnership up alongside each other I think they've started one game uh, you know yeah. with with each other next to them but just because you know, the, the two of them can't seem to stay fit right now, and then I think when you, you add Lee Griffiths back into the fold, I still think he's you know, he's got a massive part to play in, in any success that Celtic's going to have. He's been a he's been a proven goal scorer at this record at, at, at this level and for Celtic over the last last couple of seasons. So I think you know it's any criticism it was Neil Lennon's you know team selection I think's harsh because you know the team that he's probably going to want to pick he's not had them available right now. Uh, Tom, just that last clip we heard from Neil Lennon talking about, you know, it being a glamour tie and that can be what players need to bounce back. Is that the way you see it, or are you fearful because you're up against very good European opposition? I feel as if we've got to make a good team there. 
It's just, as I think the, the panel are saying, it's just getting the right combination, those strikers and whatever else. We, we could just get that, because we're not a bad team, you know that, aye. But it's hard, it's hard to predict how it's going to go, honestly. I, I mean, uh, honestly, I don't know. We could, we could get maybe one to nothing, again, get beat five nothing the way it is, isn't it, you know? So I don't really know. I can't, I can't put my finger on it. No, I'm, not, I'm not confident, put it that way, mm-hmm. that we're going to get beat AC Milan. Okay, let, let's just hear a bit more from Neil Lennon in terms of, of another update because I want to squeeze this one in because I think it's pretty important um, Neil Lennon says Ryan Christie is back in the squad after self-isolation but Odson Edwards facing more time out as he recovers from Covid He's had the cardiac screening he's had the blood tests and now we have to you know, do some physiological work with him in terms of getting you know, what response his heart rate is to certain exertions before we can, you know, clear him to chain fully with us again. So he's just going through the certain health and safety protocols at the minute. Yeah, he'll not be available for tomorrow. Uh, we're hoping, you know, again, I'm not going to be definitive on it because I can't. He's going through some, you know, protocols now and testing to see if he's okay to be involved at the weekend. Uh, Mark, I think it, it should go without saying, but we'll, we'll say it anyway that we, we wish Odson Edward well because there's almost an inevitability about these things in, in this city. We get a bit caught up in the football and it all became about, oh listen, it's fine, he's back on Friday night, he might be able to play against Rangers and mm-hmm. you kind of forget that he tested positive for Covid, which is extremely serious, obviously, it's affecting millions of people across the world and um, you know his health and, and safety is... More important than whether you can get him back and shoehorn them into a starting eleven. Yeah, and, and, and to be honest, I was, I was guilty of it myself. Because I, you know, I thought if he comes back on the Friday, he would Neil Lennon would throw him in. But I'm, I'm, you know, sometimes you hear if it's if it's a young fit athlete, you think, well, they've been tested positive, but you think, well, they'll, they'll be asymptomatic. They'll actually be fine, even though they've got it in their system. But we've got to remember that it can absolutely floor you. Um, so that's clearly. What's happened to Odson Edward? It's knocked the stuffing out of him. So yeah, we do wish him um, all the best. And it's now up to um, Ayeti or Klimala or, or, or Griffiths. And Andy mentioned you know a couple of minutes ago about, about Lee Griffiths is going to have a vital role to play. Well, he does, and he will have. But he needs to keep himself fit and stop letting his manager down. And that's the most important thing for Lee Griffiths to do. Yeah, Andy, just briefly before we move on then, what about up front tomorrow? Because Klimala, I'm sure people have a degree of sympathy because he didn't exactly get a lot of service. But on the other hand, a lot of people might be surprised if he was to keep his place in the team after a, a difficult game. We're not 100% sure, you know, Griffiths or Yeti fitness-wise, but would you imagine at least one of them comes in? Yeah, I mean, as a striker, you're only, you're only as good as the service you get. But, you know, I don't think Klimala showed enough over the games that he has played throughout the course of his time at Celtic to, to show that he, he can offer more than, than what Ayeti's done so far or, or he can offer more than what, what Lee Griffiths can when he's fully fit so I think for, you know, for Lee Griffiths' point of view he's got another 20-30 minutes under his belt at the weekend he's had another 3-4 days training so I'm sure he's closer to, to try to push himself back into the starting lineup. up Ayeti obviously not quite sure we hit, uh, where he is fitness wise but no, I, I touched on it I think Ryan Christie's going to be a big boost to the team but I wouldn't be surprised to see you know either Ayeti or, or Lee Griffiths coming in the fall tomorrow night Okay, thank you to Tom in Carntine. We're going to get the inside track on both AC Milan and Standard Liège very soon. But first, let's do this. Beat the pundit with the Scottish Sun. For the best football news and opinion online, football. Beat the pundit time, your chance to get the bragging rights and a signed ball. But only if you get more questions right than Andy Halliday or Mark 
Guidi 0141-951-1025. That's the number you need. Step up to the plate. You need to be quick though. The lines close at seven o'clock. Tackle the headlines. 0141-951-1025. Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Andy Halliday and Mark Guidi here with me, Gordon Duncan, on tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Keep your calls coming. We're here until eight o'clock. You can tweet us as well at Clyde SSB. We're going to get the inside track on both Standard Liège and AC Milan very soon. So if you're wondering what your side will face tomorrow, stay right there and we'll tell you. But first, let's do this. Beat the pundit with the Scottish Sun. For the best football news and opinion online, the Scottish slash football. Okay, it is Beat the Pundit time. It's your chance to win a signed ball and get the bragging rights in, but only if you can get one over on Mark Guidi or Andy Halliday. Let's meet tonight's contestant. I think he's Alan from Hamilton. How's it going, Alan? Uh, not bad. Good not stuff. Bad. Good to hear. Have you ever played before, Alan? No, well, I've, I've played when it's been on the radio, but I've never actually phoned in and played. Ah, see, everybody always says it's much harder when the pressure's Aye. on, Alan, so don't don't let it get to you. Hey, boy. Right, good, he sounds confident enough. Right, I'm going to toss the coin. Uh, the beauty of this is you two will never know if I'm being honest or not, but we'll give it a go anyway. Heads, it's Mark Guidi, tails, it's Andy Halliday. And it is tails, it's Andy Halliday up against Alan from Hamilton. It's a couple of weeks since you played, Andy, I think, feeling rusty. Uh, I'm still confident though. Right, okay, that's fine. We'll find out, right? If we can give Andy, if whoever is in the studio can give Andy some Clyde 2 in his ear, make sure that he cannot hear Alan's answers. Alan, here's the deal then. I know you've played along at home, but it is different in real life. We're going to put 30 seconds, not that you at home is not real life, but you get what I mean. We're going to put 30 Mm -hmm. seconds on the clock. You're up against Andy, and if you don't know the answer, pass quickly and move on to the next one, okay? No bother. Okay, Alan and Hamilton, 30 seconds on the clock. Your time starts now. Who were the last Italian team Celtic faced? Juventus. How many goals did Hart how many goals did Hart score against Hibs in the 2012 Scottish Cup final? Five. What is the full name of junior side Auchinleck? Auchinleck Talbot. Which English striker joined Celtic from Scunthorpe in 2010? Uh, Gary what is the name of Morton's home ground? Capital. Which Scot is the captain of Norwich? Uh, Grant Hanley. Okay, okay. Let's bring back Andy Halliday. Andy, can you hear us? Yep. Great. Same set of questions to you. You ready? Ready. Okay. 30 seconds on the clock, Andy Halliday. Your time starts now. Who were the last Italian team Celtic faced? Lazio. How many goals did Hart score against Hibs in the 2012 S- Scottish Cup final? Five. What is the full name of junior side Auchinleck? Talbot. Which English striker joined Celtic from Scunthorpe in 2010? Gary Hooper. What is the name of Morton's home ground? Pass. What Scott is the captain of Norwich? Grant Hanley. Dick Campbell is the manager of which Scottish team based on the East Coast? Alan, what do you think? Thank you, just pipped me there with the Dick Campbell one. Thank you, Pipchy, maybe. Yeah, you got through one but, more but question you than you. Oh, I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, said, I don't, I I don't mind you questioning that, Alan. 
This is going to be really good because it's, it, if I'm in the studio, I don't mind the steward's inquiry. I can just look at the oh, producer Capolo. and he gives me the nod. Capolo. But I'm, uh, I'm at home and I can't do that. Let's go through them. Mm-hmm. Um, right, the first one. Who were the last Italian team Celtic faced? It is Lazio, 1-0 mm-hmm. to Andy Halliday. You knew it, didn't you, Alan? Aye. But it just, you Aye. said Juventus first. So 1-0, Andy. Oh, I love this one because if you had get this wrong, Andy, you would never have been able to show your face <laughs> in Gorgie ever again. Is that why you put it in, <laughs> Yeah, how many goals did Hart score against Hibs in the 2012 Scottish Cup final? Luckily, he got it wrong. It was five. Uh, I got it right, sorry. It was five. What's the full name of junior side Auchinleck Talbot? I think I've got to give him. I've got to give him that, Alan. I've got to give him it. Auchinleck Talbot. So it's 3-2 to Andy. Which English side joined from English striker joined from Scunthorpe in 2010? Celtic Gary Hooper. You both got that. Uh, the name of Morton's home ground, Andy. Here's a nice way to, to remember that ground. It's where you once get sent off for a, a vile gesture towards the crowd. I remember it. I, was I wonder there why night. I forgot, eh? <laughs> you still maintaining your innocence to this oh, day? No doubt. <laughs> uh, which Scott is the captain of Norwich? It is Grant Hanley. You both got that. And Dick Campbell is the manager of our bro. So it's a six for Andy and a four for you, Alan. Alan, that was a decent effort. Maybe Andy well. was just too good for you tonight. Hard lines. Great stuff. That was Alan in Hamilton. Another victory. You, you lost yet, Andy? No, but I'm honestly I'm still disappointed with the Capolo. But I didn't want to waste yeah. too much time on it. Sorry, was it not six five? Um, yeah, maybe it was actually. Yeah, maybe I mean, I think I know it's not your fault, Gordon. It's no Andy's fault. But I think they were quite simple tonight. No, Andy. Bear in the mind that Hearts are going to play a broth on Friday night, and one of the questions: Who's your broth manager? Honestly, mm. and one of the no, questions is about fair, one of the clubs. To he's be fair. With. It, he doesn't even know the ground that he once gets sent off at and it's only a couple of miles well, up the road. Fair, so. I, I don't know if in the match prep you talk too much about what the ah, manager's going to be very, doing. <laughs> very unfair on Alan from Hamilton, I would say. Very unfair on him. Right, 01419511025. I did promise you the inside track on Celtic and Rangers European opposition. We are men of our words, so let's bring in a name that you'll be very familiar with, a former Rangers midfielder, but who's going to know his stuff on Standard Liège, Thomas Buffel. Thomas, thank you for joining us. How are you? I'm fine. Good uh, evening, everybody. Great to have you with us, Thomas. Um, what what sort of team, What? how strong would you say Standard Liège are? What type of opposition are Rangers expecting to face tomorrow? Well, uh, to be fair, it was a little bit, everybody in Belgium was a little bit doubting about uh, Standard Liège and at the start of the league because they have a very young squad with promising players, but uh, nobody thought that they would start that good in the league. And uh, to be fair, the, the new French coach really made already a good connection between the players and, and they have a good block and uh, they have some players who can force something. So, uh, yeah, uh, it will be a tough game, especially uh, at Liège. The stadium is, is, is quite hectic. OK, maybe it's now a little bit in favour with the COVID. There will be no full house, but normally it can really be a, a fury uh, a fury game in, in Liège. Yeah, um, I'm thinking about the... The, the sort of the fans being back in the ground, Thomas, as you mentioned. How how many are we expecting? How close is it getting back to normality in Belgium? Because we don't have any here. I think I don't know. Normally, okay. the, it's a stadium of twenty five, I think, but probably now uh, it will be only um, you know maybe thirty thousand. I think at least, I think only seven thousand or something. Yeah, yeah well, it's cert- certainly further along than we are now. The Liège team, Thomas, have been hit by some coronavirus restrictions a couple of the players aren't able to play tomorrow are they main players how big a blow 
is that to standard Liege? Well, you have uh, the midfielder, Raskan. Yes, he's out. And he, uh, he's still a young player, but he, he did really well the last few weeks. He's really a box-to-box player who can infiltrate well and, and see the good moments. Uh, so I think this will be yeah, uh, good for Rangers. On the other hand, uh, yeah, the other two players are, are not really, really uh, uh, regular starters. What have you What have you managed to see of Rangers recently, Thomas? They've had many successful nights in Europe in the last couple of seasons, and of course a, a win against Celtic at the weekend. Have you managed to to see them often? Uh, last year I saw quite a lot of games. Uh, this season, to be fair, I've been quite busy with the birth of my daughter and and and, and the family. I didn't see that much games. Obviously, I, I was always looking to the score sheet to see what the results are. And I uh, was very happy that uh, that they could manage uh, uh, to win at Parkhead and and be first at the table <clears throat> and maybe uh, hopefully uh, have a good season and and, and take back uh, the championship to Rangers. Congratulations on the birth of your daughter. Is that who we can hear in the background? Yes, yes. I, uh, <laughs> I'm. Uh, how do you say that? Uh, uh, I'm on duty. <laughs> <laughs> Great, right. Well, we hope you and the family are well. We won't keep you too long. What 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 type of team are what type of team are Standard Liège in terms of how they approach the game tactically? What what type of team? Are they? Like I'm saying, it's a very young team with promising players. Like as well in the, at the back three, you have Van Heusden. He was selected now for the uh, for the first time for the A team uh, with Martinez. I think first time he um, he is only 19 years old. Uh, it's a guy who takes some some risk. He's a, a hard defender, but he likes to go forward as well, infiltrate uh, really to, to to penetrate the box of the of the opponents a few times a game. So that's that's quite not often you see that anymore. That uh, central defenders really go go into uh, deep space of the opponent. So it can be very um, yeah uh, uh, hectic for the opponent uh, suddenly to see some some defender there. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a very young team with some quality players. Normally, the best player, Castella, he's still looking for his best form. So uh, he's now playing a little bit more often. He started well as in the last game. I don't know how, how his, uh, his fitness and, and his, uh, his, his uh, yeah, uh, how do you say that, the uh, automatisms are at this moment. So I think the, 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 the big advantage Rangers will have is that probably they have a lot more mature squad than than Rangers and on European nights you really need some some experience to, to pull off a good result Yeah, do you think that makes Rangers favourites for this game? Yeah, definitely uh, I think uh, uh, as well the boost they had they got to win at, at, at Parkhead has, has given them a lot of confidence to go on that, and to show them that they're on a good track Thomas, thank you very much we will let you get back to your daughter she is far more yeah. important than us so go and take care of her <laughs> Yeah, okay, but I, I'm, I'm quite a good multitasker, so no problem. Great, <laughs> <laughs> right, thank you very much. That was Thomas Buffel, former Rangers midfielder, uh, giving us a, a very good insight, Mark Weedy. I think you would have to say on Standard Liège and the, the challenge that will face Rangers tomorrow. Yeah, and, and Thomas sounded um, confident for uh, for Rangers' um, chances. You know, um, you know, Standard Liège just a young team um, missing a couple of vital players, one or two of their key players not quite finding. A rhythm yet So yeah good to hear His um, confidence For Rangers going And getting a, another Positive uh, result in Europe Andy What you heard from Thomas there Does that Encourage you Or worry you Somewhere in between What did you take away from it 
Well, it's got to encourage me because I'm sure Thomas knows a lot more about Stanley Asia than I do and the fact that he's got Rangers, you know, favourites sort of speaks volumes. But he mentioned two or three times there that, that you know, they're a young team so you can't imagine they've got too much European experience which might might obviously hold Rangers to an advantage. But I think the onus is on Stanley Asia tomorrow to come and try and win the game. I think they're, you know, they're one that's probably got less expectations to get through the group so they'll be, they'll be you know, having a bigger onus in their home match as they go and win it. But... You know, I think that might suit Rangers even more. So, like I said, I'm I'm f- I'm fully expecting Rangers to go down and get a result. What a multitasker Thomas Buffel is! I could hear the babysitting going on in the background. I'm getting distracted here because I can smell my dinner, and Thomas is managing to <laughs> to look after the newborn and speak to us at the same time. That was brilliant. Thanks a lot uh, to Thomas Buffel on the line. Now we did say we were going to give you the inside track on both sides so with regards AC Milan let's bring in uh, an Italian football expert and journalist Alistair McKenzie who's going to talk to us all things AC Milan Alistair thank you for joining us just how strong are this AC Milan side? Well they've um, they've got off to a great start this season and to be honest that's a continuation of superb form that they've shown in this entire calendar year of 2020 so far um, they were by far the best team in Italy after the the lockdown. Um, they responded to that challenge better than any other side, and finished really strongly last season. Have added even more depth to their squad over the summer, and yeah, on the weekend they got their first derby win over Inter in uh, in over four years. So yeah, to be honest, they 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 couldn't be on, on much more of a high than they are going into this game. So. Yeah, I think it goes without saying, once you've set the bar so high throughout your history, Alistair, they're clearly not the AC Milan of, of years gone by. Having said that, how close are they getting, or are they showing signs of getting back there? Is this the best Milan side since the, you know, in the last 10 years or so? Well, you know, I wouldn't want to say that because there have been so many fast dons with, with AC Milan in the last uh, decade, like you say. I think that really since 2014 they've struggled. Um, they've not been in the Champions League since then. They've not mounted any meaningful title challenge since then. Um, you know, they, they have had, like I said, a great tail end to last season and a strong start to this one. But it, it's really going to take, obviously, a full year of these kind of performances for anybody to really turn around and say this is a side that is, is worthy of the, the history of the club again. What has made a huge difference is that they've brought back Slatan Ibrahimovic, who wasn't really expected to make a huge impact so much on the pitch when he came back, but more as a kind of mentor to what is a really, really young team. But he's actually been, um, you know, almost as good as he was when he left six years ago, and is still looking in unbelievable shape. And their top scorer so far this season hit double figures after arriving in January last year, and he's made a big difference. So I think having a kind of player of that caliber and experience is really energise this team and inject that kind of belief that they need that kind of swagger that I suppose an AC Milan team should have and they'll want to make an impression in Europe even though they'd rather be in the Champions League clearly I think that doing well in Europe is uh, obviously a big part of this club's history and something they'll be wanting to do in the Europa League this year The league form and the danger of Zlatan Ibrahimovic they would be the, the obvious you know, worrying signs for Celtic. If Celtic fans listening tonight were looking for reasons to be optimistic, would you have any? <laughs> well, yeah, I, I guess the most obvious thing would be to actually look at 
the uh, the qualifying gate that Milan went through, and that's been their least uh, convincing form of, of the season. Really, was they came through three qualifying games, uh, one of which they only just beat a Norwegian team, Bodo Glimp, three two. Struggled a bit in that match, and then you may well have seen their playoff game against Rio Ave, which yeah. went to this epic penalty shootout that seemed to go on for about three days. And, you know, they, they relied upon a penalty shootout to actually qualify for the Europa League in the first place. So they haven't necessarily um, fared too well when they're being asked to play these midweek games to, to travel to, to distant lands. And it isn't the, uh, the deepest squad in the world either. So, th- th- you know, they have been saving the best so far for the Serie A matches. And obviously they'll have put in an awful lot kind of physically and mentally into the, the Darwin on the weekend. So I don't think there's going to be a massive rotation. I think it'll still be a very strong team that they put out in Celtic Park tomorrow. But it, it, I, I suppose it's one of those things where after such a big result like that on the weekend, um, it, it, it's a question of whether they can avoid that complacency. Who are the other players to look out for then? I know there is a there is one high profile absentee. Um, we've already touched on Zlatan. Who are the other danger men? Well, Celtic have uh, got lucky in a certain way at Hakan Shalinoglu, who's been one of Milan's most dangerous players. He plays as kind of number ten attacking midfielder. He's he's been ruled injured for this game, um, but in his place they're probably going to have Brahim Diaz, who arrived from Real Madrid in the summer. He's a player with a bit of a point to prove because he's not nailed down a, a first-team shirt yet. And these are the kind of games that he'll be really wanting to kind of light things up. And he's he's got bags of ability. Um, funnily enough, one of their biggest threats actually comes from left-back, which is Teo Hernandez, who really plays, to be honest, more as more of a winger than a left-back at times. And he was Milan's top scorer for a while last season, actually, and scores a lot of goals from that position. Uh, I think he got seven last season from left-back. And they really give him license to get forward, um, you know, produce overloads in, in those areas on the left wing. And if he plays tomorrow, um, he's played every minute of the season so far, so he could get rested. But if he does play, he is uh, definitely one to keep an eye out for. Who would you say goes into the match as, as favourites, Alistair? Celtic are at home, but that perhaps doesn't mean what it once did because it will be an empty Celtic park. How do you see it panning out? I think on current form you can't help but make Milan favourites um, because they, they've only lost twice the entire year so far in 2020. Um, their their form has been tremendous. They've beaten a lot of big teams, you know, um, in Serie A. And yeah, I think given what we've seen so far this season, given the results that either team is coming off, they have to be considered favourites. But like I say, I mean, the, the, it's not going to be exactly the same AC Milan side tomorrow night. And uh, you just never know how they're going to deal with that kind of um, the pressure of, of, of a big away game. Because so far when they went to Portugal um, and in the other qualifying game I already mentioned, they haven't necessarily um, stood up to the European challenge so much. So it'll be interesting to see. Great stuff. That was Alistair McKenzie, journalist uh, specialising in Italian football, giving us a very detailed insight into what AC Milan will bring tomorrow. So thanks again to Alistair, Mark Guidi, Andy Halliday and anyone who's playing along at home. You better sharpen your pencil because I've got a cracking full-time teaser for you next. 
taking your calls on Scottish football. 0141 951 1025. This is Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Mark Guidi and Andy Halliday are here. It's 01419511025 to join in. You can tweet as well. You'll find us there at Clyde SSB. Now, I do have a full-time teaser for you. Um, Andy Halliday, I must say, I'm getting dogs abuse on Twitter um, for giving you the benefit of the doubt on Auchinleck Talbot. Helen Mooney and Brian Marshall, amongst others, they, they want you they want you stripped of the title. They think it's a tainted title. Oh, let's not get into that. Come on now. <laughs> I'm serious. They're starting a petition, I think. But I, I thought I thought I was doing the right thing. I think Brian stumbled across what who we really need to blame. I'm not blaming myself because you never do that. Um, I think we'll blame producer Andy for writing yes. the question because Brian says surely the question should have been complete the name of this junior uh, side. Yeah, well, okay, absolutely. I think we're splitting hairs now. We're splitting hairs. Right. Spot Good question tonight. Good question tonight on the teaser. Thank you to John for sending in. And your nightly reminder, it is full time at Clyde1.com. Maybe you've sat at home and listened to loads of these and thought, I could come up with one of those questions. Well, that's the address you need, full time at Clyde1.com. He's even named it. It's called CU Jimmy, according to John. So here we go. Not including those who have featured for them this season, 11 players named Jim Jimmy, James or Jamie have played for either Celtic or Rangers since 1990. Oh, I need that Okay, see you Jimmy. Not including those that have played for them this season, 11 men named Jim, Jimmy, James or Jamie have played for either Celtic or Rangers since 1990. Okay, I'll give but, you that. But for a start, so if they've played for them this season, it discounts the last maybe five years that they've played for them? Uh, so, for example, James Forrest. James Forrest but he can't yeah, he's he not on the list. He's right, not on the list. Right, I'll, okay. gi- I'll give you. I'll give you two. Gordon, one from right. each side. Jamie Ness and Jamie Smith. Brilliant. Well done. See, Andy, it was all right. Your first couple of shows you were on with Hugh Evans. It was easy to show off because he's hopeless at these. But you're you're in a a, a higher level of company here. So I know, but I mean, it's up. interesting how I'm asking the questions, but then he's already ten seconds writing down his couple of answers. So it was an unfair head start, but. No, no, we're definitely we're against team. each other. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a team. <laughs> right, I'll give you a clue, Andy. Right. Jimmy Bell's not one of the answers, right? <laughs> Jim Baxter, no, is that no 1990? I'll leave it with you. See you, Jimmy. We're looking for the James, Jimmy's, James, and Jims that have played for either Celtic or Rangers since 1990. Guys like Jamie Ness and Jamie Smith. We'll like, two g- down. G- I'll throw in one more. Gone in. Just, I, I've just thought I, I'm not sure if it, but he might have played one senior game he might not Jim Goodwin yes brilliant right. well done Jim Goodwin ok we'll leave it there and we'll go back to the phones 01419511025 or Twitter at Clyde SSB let's find out who's next up on the line I think it's Matt and Partick how's it going Matt I'm fine with yourself yeah can't complain at all what are you thinking then what's your main thought ahead of tomorrow night well, mate, I'll just dive straight in and try and make uh, try and arrive at some semblance of the sense-making point. <laughs> uh, if, if if we accept the premise, and I think almost every Celtic fan would, that the only thing that matters this year is ten in a row, then by definition the Europa League does not matter. Now this leads to two further things. The second one being the point I want to arrive at. But firstly, it exposes an irony which is we've dug our heels in in these qualifying games to scrape through to get to this luscious tournament, if you like. But this premise will now 
leave that tournament or render it meaningless. But this leads to the point I want to make, which is, should Celtic now, uh, given that context I've laid out, essentially use uh, the tournament, which is the Europa League, to experiment and in the league at home focus entirely on trying to get a settled team that can challenge a resurgent Rangers and whilst we play our games in the Europa League, put in the likes of Turnbull, where's Karamoko Dembele, play sorrow, take hits, take losses, but learn and maybe discover gems in that tournament, except that we'll lose it and slowly bleed them into the first 11 in our domestic games, such as the Mark threat Beattie. of Rangers. Um, I'm, Gordon, again, just to, for clarification, do you have to have Celtic submitted their European squad? Yeah, I think they have. Yeah, so like, most of the kind of obvious guys yeah, will be on I it. I don't though. know. If, I don't know if Young Dembele would would be in that, would he? But anyway, I, I get the uh, point that, check, that, that Matt's was. trying to make. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, somebody like um, Turnbull is, is you would imagine is more than ready to go and play in, in, in the first team. Um, so yeah, I'm not saying that. I said at the start of the show, I think that. Um, Sunday is far more important for Celtic given now what's taking place in the league Sunday's far more important for Rangers as well uh, for that matter um, that said you don't want to go and put out um, you don't want to take too many chances with your first choice uh, selection tomorrow night uh, but certainly I, th- I think there's room to put in two or three and especially up front whether you think it's going to be a lone striker or experiment again with a partnership in the hope that you can get something to gel or something to work with it's a lone striker with a number 10 behind him just something that works ahead of, of, of Sunday Matt let me put it back to you and find out a bit more about your, your wish or your theory though I, I get what you want to do in terms of separating the, the two competitions but in football we always talk about you know confidence and momentum how damaging could it be to Celtic domestically if they mix things up too much in Europe and then find themselves on the end of a of a really difficult evening Yes, believe it or not, I'd uh, preempted uh, this <laughs> as a retort to what I was saying, and I've always, uh, always been very much of the belief that being in uh, European tournaments, running alongside the league, is beneficial rather than non-beneficial. I've never been one of these people who believe that uh, being knocked out of Europe gives you an advantage in the league for that very reason that the momentum uh, and the feel-good factor that comes with going progressing in both can carry you forward. In the domestic league, I just feel that at this point, Rangers have galvanised and credit to them to such a degree over the last two years where every ounce of our energy, and I go back to my premise, if 10 in a row is all that matters, every ounce of our energy must go into that. And if that, if that means taking some hits in Europe, and it might not, it might lead to some surprises positively that we can uh, bring in at home, I just think we're at a state at this point where so much is riding on it that that has to be the focus. Andy, what do you think? We see teams from other countries, for very different reasons, we see teams from other countries changing things up in Europe um, and maybe not taking the Europa League as seriously as they should. We're obviously not in that position, but can Celtic afford to be a bit more experimental to try and and find a formula for domestic football? I mean, potentially, but I think Matt will be in a minority of uh, Celtic fans that would be willing to do that. I think they'll be crying out to try and to try and galvanise their season by by European performances, which is what Neil Lennon touched on. That's why he's he's looking forward to this big game. It could be a game that you know kickstarts you know Celtic's you know run a form or, or, or kickstarts you know one of the strikers getting a couple of goals or or whatnot. But 
it's a uh, it's, it's a competition where I can see Celtic being extremely com- uh, competitive in. I know the you know they're, they're in quite a difficult group right now, but I don't think it's you know I still don't think the you know they're going to fear any of the teams that are in there. But I I, I feel like I, I feel like expect Celtic to approach these games in a manner with a full strength team that they've got to they've got available to try and win them. You, you can't underestimate as well the the financial impact that that Europa League has in these teams as well. Can I just say one more thing on that? Sorry, sorry, go on. You go. No, you go. Uh, no, I'm just going to say I, I agree a lot with what Andy Aldi said, and I'm not talking about uh, wholesale changes. What I'm really looking for is like dribs and drabs of changes, and we can only make those changes to help us learn about a future solid team in the Europa League now uh, to give ourselves the best shot at the league. And the only thing I would say back to what Andy said about me being in the minority is. If you were to paint a scenario whereby Celtic don't, like an end-of-season scenario where Celtic have failed to get out uh, of their Europa League group and not won a single point, uh, but ended up winning the league, I think that would put me in the majority, which takes me back to the point of the 10 in a row thing. Uh, and can I, can I just say one more thing, actually? Uh, I, I want to, as a Celtic fan, I really want to um, praise Rangers and the work that Rangers have done, and I mean... By that, I mean the board and the manager, Stephen Gerrard. The clock has been ticking on Celtic uh, getting 10 in a row. And Rangers have known this. They've lost the league the first time. They've lost the league the second time. But they've stuck with Gerrard. They've clearly been building behind the scenes. And that's starting to show on the park. Uh, And I think Gerrard deserves a lot of credit. And he's not still there just because of his name. I think he's still there because he... Uh, is an intelligent thinker of the game and the board have stuck with them and that's why they find themselves where they are just now and I think they deserve a lot of credit for that and just before I go I would like to say one more thing if I can I don't take up a lot of time here I do apologise I have lost my job during this uh, Covid time unfortunately and I would like to gently put myself forward to join you at the Super Slowboard team Thank you <laughs> Do you know what? At least, Matt, we have had a first for everything. We have never had anyone come on as a, as a job interview. On a serious note, we clearly wish you well. It has been a, a tough time for everyone, so I don't mean to make light of that situation. Um, if Hugh Keevans ever has to get moved along, I'll, I'll give you a call. That was Matt and Partick. Thank you very much. 0141 Um you think Shug's got much to worry about, Mark? Well, with any caller, Shug's got a lot to worry about, yeah. <laughs> Uh, you'll be I'm not sure about Alistair, the Italian <laughs> Alistair from Mulgay, right enough. But. Hold, hold on a second. I didn't say Alistair was You Italian. did say he was I Italian. Was, I didn't. I said he was an Italian football expert, which he was. I think he proved <laughs> you called he him knew, an knew Italian journalist, Gordon. <laughs> right, I maybe got my words slightly mixed up. Right? He didn't sound Italian. I take the point. But he, he knew his stuff from he the He did know his stuff. He did know his stuff. That's all you need I didn't to, know that's Italian need about him. That was all. Listen. Just you, just you stick to trying to figure out where Morton play their home games, right? <laughs> then, we'll, then we'll build from there. Uh, Michael is a Rangers fan in Kirk and Tillock. How's it going, Michael? Ah, I'm all right, Gordon. How are you? Not bad at all. What are you thinking ahead of Rangers match tomorrow then? I think we probably can go and play as well as we played at the weekend and possibly win. But you know what it's like in European football now. With fans being there as well, it might be a bit different, but they're just there. So I think it'll be a good game, and I think we probably will just edge it. Do you think that's something that Andy? Do you think the Rangers players will be looking forward to even just a, a small number of fans? I know they're going. I know it's going to be small, and I know it's opposition fans, but 
It'll be a nice change after what we've been used to for the last couple of months. Yeah, definitely. You know, we've, we've been preaching about it on here that you know we're desperate to get the fans back as soon as it's as soon as it's deemed safe. But I'm sure that I'm sure the players will be be looking forward to playing in front of a live audience again. It's it's something we've all missed. You know, I've watched plenty of football over the, over the last you know few weeks, and you know every game I've watched there is that sort of period where it's the 10, 15 minutes where it's flat. There's no sort of intensity to the game, and you can understand it. Obviously, I've only I've got. Little experience, obviously, only doing it for the first time last week, but you do have that sort of you know friendly behind closed doors atmosphere within it, and it's you know it's, it's something that as a player you just need to sort of self motivate yourself. But I'm sure there's going to be you know there's there's going to be no issue with that with, with big fixtures like the Europa League coming up. But I'm sure I'm sure they're delighted to play in, albeit a number of fans at uh, tomorrow night. Michael, I'm thinking back to these big European nights that Rangers had last season, and every Wednesday night we came on the show. And we spoke about just how important Alfredo Morelos was going to be if if Rangers were going to get something the following evening. Um, who are the guys that are carrying the can now? Because it, it seems to be much more of a team effort without him necessarily having to be at his best in order to get Rangers a result. Well, I still think Morelos is important because with him playing deeper, it, it gives the people like Ryan Kent more space to run in behind. So... Even though he's not scoring, he's dragging defenders away or he's doing the one-twos, so he's still involved in the goals. So I think you can't drop him. He's as important to the team than now. Even if he's not scoring goals, he's, he's still as part of a team. So Yeah, I mean, is that is that accurate, Andy? Is that the way you'd see it? I mean, listen, he's, he's someone that's been a massive player for Rangers over the last couple of seasons. I fully expect him uh, to get back to the level he was at. But I, th- I do think it's a good sign that Know that Rangers are scoring plenty of goals without him being in fine form, but I think that you know with Kamar Roof, you know, getting the injury over the last few weeks, it's it's allowed him to get a run in the team and and maybe get up to match fitness, which he clearly wasn't at the start of the season and, uh, and not in match shape. But I I do fully expect him to get back in amongst the goals pretty soon and, and hopefully start tomorrow night as well. Right, go on then, Michael. This might be the the last chance we get before. Um, we we get onto tomorrow's show and the match day. Give us give us the first match prediction of the night. Are Rangers going to do the business? Yeah, I think we'll win. I think it'll be something maybe like 2-1, 2-0, something like that. Right, OK. A potentially tight evening in Liège. Thank you very much to Michael and Kirk and Tillich on the line. Right, tonight's teaser is this. See you, Jimmy. Not including those who featured for them this season. 11 men named Jim, Jimmy, James or Jamie have played for either Celtic or Rangers since 1990. You've got Jamie Ness, Jamie Smith. Hold on, let me rephrase that. Mark Guidi has got Jamie Ness, oh, Jamie no. Smith and Jim Goodwin. I, Andy think, I think Andy's about to equalise. I think he might have three belts. I, I know that you've got a couple written down there, Mark. Come on. <laughs> uh, oh, right. Andy, the ones I've got just now, time. James Beatty, Jamie yep. Murphy and Jamie yep. Burjonas. Brilliant. That's six. Beautiful. We'll get the other five next. Number one for football in Glasgow and the West. 0141-951-1025. Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Andy Halliday and Mark Guidi are here. It's the final part of tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. That means they've still got work to do on tonight's teaser. Let's see what they've come up with during the break. We're looking for, and thanks to John, by the way, for sending the question in. Not including those that have featured for them this season. Can you name 11 men named Jim, Jimmy, James or Jamie who've played for either Celtic or Rangers since 1990? The guys are doing pretty well. They've got Jamie Ness, Jamie Smith, Jim Goodwin, Jamie Murphy, James Beattie and Jamie Barjonas. I'll take one more each. I'm going to throw Jimmy Gibson at you. 
Brilliant shout that is. Can you can you tell for the listeners who might not remember? Can you give it? Well, Ra- Rain- Rangers. I'm I'm thinking from from memory because you only put the hand for first game. A winger, wide right. Yeah, so we're talking about ninety six to 03 for yeah. his official years at the club. So there we go. Uh, Andy, any more from you? I mean, you said one each, but I I, I wouldn't be that type of guy. I'm not stealing it off, Mark. So. The, the only person that, that, that produced over the break was Mark So I'll let him go again I've What got, else did he give I've you? I've got two, two oldies gone Because I'm just thinking 1990 specifically Try to go right back So right. I've got two Rangers um, Anyway I'll throw him at you Jimmy Phillips? No And the only other one I've got then And I don't think so But I'll throw him in Jimmy Nick? No Alright right, okay. leave it there You've still got a bit of work to do uh, Let me see with the break I'll, I'll point you in the right direction You're still looking for Any goalies in there? One uh, Hold on One Two Three Four Celtics still to go So that means you're only Does that mean you've done all the Rangers ones? Yeah we've done all, mm, yeah, we've done all the Rangers then yeah, Four Celtic Yeah players. so you're looking for I've four Celtic I've only got six now Seven Nah I've you've got seven. seven Added Gibson on uh, There's some oh, good yeah. answers coming in on Twitter Colin Johnson's got loads of them I do like And I'm sure it was an accident But he's, he's just thrown in James Rossiter I don't know if he's just changed Jordan Rossiter's first name <laughs> Just to try and squeeze him in uh, Rostradamus is struggling So he's going for Jamie Frimpong And Jimmy Dewey Neither of them make the list Unfortunately uh, And Greg johnson has He's gone outside the box He says that James Callahan Chick Charnley Once played for Celtic In a nice. friendly No chance you're getting that Absolutely no chance uh, Right Let's look at Some Premiership action That we had last night What a game uh, We had in our hands Aberdeen Getting back to winning ways with a 4-2 win against Hamilton. Tommy Hoban, Lewis Ferguson and a Ryan Edmondson double had the Dons 4-0 up inside half an hour. But the Aki's rallied to get two back through David Moyo and a Ross Callahan penalty. Let's hear from Aberdeen boss Derek McInnes. Some of that play in the first half, the interchanging with Wright, Hedges, Watkins and Edmondson, Hayes was very good and very pleasing. So you know, for Edmondson to get two goals, two penalty box goals really, and then... Ferguson's goal Such a sweet spot He's had it right behind it All the way Doing well to get a better strike Than that this season So a fantastic start for us But we lose a goal We're doing it to 10 With Johnny going off Disruption didn't help us But we've got to be better than that The type of goal we lose You know I still think we need to stop the cross And then we need to defend the cross Very unlike us Because we've been I think we've had the second most Clean sheets in the league And I've been really pleased With how miserly we've been But that type of goal Isn't he, um, isn't he like us You don't need to give Hamilton Too much encouragement That they're a brilliant club a brilliant bunch of boys they give their manager everything they might be bottom of the league at the minute but they're top of the league in first spirit and never giving up I watched them Saturday 3 nothing down uh, I watched their game sorry and 3 nothing down against St Johnston and they still nearly get something for the game so we'd spoke about that at half time a fully committed bunch of boys can play and they always ask the question and credit to them for that uh, Mark Guidi, a, a good win for Har- Aberdeen up there at Pataudry yeah. And I think you mentioned it earlier on Lewis Ferguson's goal is the pick of the bunch If you've not seen it, go out yeah. your way to find it a, oh, a proper a proper screamer He uh, certainly didn't learn that from his dad He must be getting that on his mum's side But uh, that was a proper uh, goal You know, Good enough to grace any stadium for sure That was a brilliant goal Andy Aberdeen racing into a 4-0 lead uh, I wonder if, if this is how worrying a theme this is for Hamilton Ackies, where two games in a row they've fallen behind drastically and then they've done that Hamilton thing where you just never quite know what you're going to get from them and they actually show some fight and determination and, and they end up not getting a complete doing but I'm sure Brian Rice would rather his team didn't fall 3-0 and, and 4-0 down very quickly in games. Yeah, I think that's based off the way that Hamilton try and play. I've, I've watched a, a number of other games this season and 
and uh, you know Brian Rice has got them playing a certain style of football where he does want them to try and get their foot in the ball and dominate possession, create chances. But you know it's always going to be a tough ask for them going up to Petardry and, and playing an Aberdeen side that are that have started the season really well. And you touched on Lewis Ferguson, you know standout strike not only but one of the standout performers in the in the league this season and and managed to add goals in his uh, in his repertoire this season as well. Obviously taking penalties in the in the absence of, of Sam Cosgrove, so it was a it was a good victory for Aberdeen and. It disappointing for Hamilton. Yeah, I think he's joint top scorer in the Scottish Premiership, Andy. As you rightly say, penalties obviously contribute to that. But when all's said and done and you start looking at goal totals, you know, people don't always pay attention to whether they're penalties or not. So, you know, if you're a midfield player who's scoring, you know, a dozen goals a season, whether they're penalties or not, that, that does wonders for your reputation, doesn't it? Yep, definitely. And I, I mean, goals get you moves as well, so... I'm sure that there'll be a number of clubs watching Lewis Ferguson's performances and, and taking notice with the amount of goals that he's that he's managed to score for Aberdeen this season. But you know he, he's been one of a, a number of players that have that have done well for Aberdeen so far this season. And and listen, they'll be going into into the game against Celtic at the weekend full of confidence. It's good to see some good midfield players in the division mark and, and doing it for, for you know for the Scotland under 21s as well. Lewis Ferguson, um, Alan Campbell said a lot of praise this season. Ross McCrory. Um, stepped up and and helped out at, you know the Scotland A squad in the last international break. Is there a growing sense? And I know Aberdeen fans and, and Derek McInnes won't won't want this to be rushed along. But is there a growing sense that, that Lewis Ferguson does have have the next step in him soon? Yeah, yeah, I would I, I would think so. There certainly was a bit of interest in him in the last uh, window. Uh, I don't think clubs are given any encouragement uh, by Aberdeen. Um, despite the financial situation um, going around the country, but yeah, Lewis Ferguson looks like he, he'd, he'd be ready to make that step up. I think you know the rest of the season at Aberdeen, and it's a win-win because I think Aberdeen, I don't think the, the, the exact figure was was ever made public, but did they get him from Hamilton from about maybe two hundred and fifty, three hundred grand, which is an absolute tribunal, uh, wasn't it, yeah. bargain. Yeah, and um, you know, Derek McInnes clearly identified um, something uh, in him and, and signed him when he'd only maybe you know twelve, fifteen first team games for Hamilton under his belt, so. I'd imagine that you know they've paid they'll sell them for eight, nine, ten times um, that amount. There'll be a sell on added on um, to, and there's no doubt that Lewis Ferguson um, can go on to to a bigger and better league. The table's a little bit skewed, Andy. I feel like it, it's been a very disrupted start to the season. Some teams have played nine games, some ten, some eleven. But as things stand at the moment, Hibs are in fourth and twenty-one points. You have seven points behind them with Kilmarnock in fifth. Is 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 that top four already? Starting to look set for you. I mean, it's, uh, it's it's four clubs that you'd you'd fancy to be there or thereabouts come the end of the season. I still feel like that Motherwell should. I know you'll be delighted that I'm saying this, but I'm sure that Motherwell have got a big part to play from now to the end of the season. I think Kilmarnock have been there or thereabouts uh, over the last couple of seasons as well. But I certainly feel as if Aberdeen um, will be there come the end of the season, and and I think you know we're, we're watching a Hibs team that seems as if they've they've improved again under under Jack Ross. So. Yeah, I, I do think they could be there, but I think a couple of t- our teams will, will surely have a say about it come the end of the season. Okay, Doc, let's turn our attentions to tonight's full-time teaser. I think you're still looking Give for, it a miss, God four, for more. Mark I'm, Bidi I'm, will carry you home, I well, think. I'm, I'm toying a wee bit, Gordon. I'm going to need a couple of clues. If it's four Celtic players, I've been trying to rack my brain. But I, the one, obviously, it's annoying me if it's going right back to, to 1990. So you're going back to Billy McNeil's second spell just before Liam Brady. Right, I'll, t- I'll give you some clues. One, funnily enough, as Andy mentioned it, here's my tenuous link for the night. He just mentioned Motherwell. This guy went on and played for Motherwell. And he also was fond of playing the guitar. 
if that helps you oh, at all. Oh, Jim O'Brien. Jim O'Brien. Jim O'Brien. Well Good done. Shout. Right. Okay. Um, what else have we got on here? Okay. Um, still playing in the Scottish leagues, the Scottish Premiership. His dad uh, was a player as well, and his dad is still employed at Celtic. Defender. Oh, oh Jamie McCart. Yep. Okay. Um, right, we're running out of time now. 92 to 96. Mark also played for Partick Thistle. Jim. Jimmy. Right, I'll need to put your misery with these, I think. Jim Slavin. Oh, Jim Slavin, yeah. Jim Slavin. And the last one's a Jamie, 93 to 95. Oh, Jamie McQuilkin. Jamie McQuilkin, there we go. It was a team effort. I think Mark Guidi doing a lot of the heavy lifting, but you chipped in uh, with your contribution. Good question from John. Thanks. I like that. Good question. You can yeah. tell. You can Thank tell you Mark's much. age at the end. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you very much to Andy and Mark. Thanks for all your calls and tweets. We are back tomorrow night with Gordon DL and Mark Wilson. We'll speak to you then. <laughs>